As we celebrate the Christmas season, it's always a delight to delve into God's Word and understand the glory of this time of year. We'll do just that next on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, greetings in Christ and a very Merry Christmas. Welcome to this Christmas Day edition of Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. As we get things started today, we do so with Pastor Steve and a brief introduction. Steve? Thanks, Andy. Well, we'd like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas today on this Christmas Day and trust that as you spend this day celebrating our Savior's birth, that you would not forget the wonderful grace of God that made it all possible. I'd like to read just a couple verses from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This pastoral letter from Paul to Titus was intended to offer encouragement and wisdom as Titus endured the ongoing opposition from the ungodly and from the legalists within his congregations. Well, today we're going to be continuing in our Christmas series titled God's Final Word in His Son. And we'll be spending our time together for the next couple weeks in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. And our prayer for you today is that God will touch your heart with encouragement and understanding as we hear his word taught. And now from Hebrews, once again, Pastor Steve Converse with this edition of Graceful Truth. Do you know that Jesus Christ is God's final word to us? God's final word to us is his son. When you look back through the Old Testament, we see God speaking over and over and over and over again. God speaking to the fathers, the ancestors of the Jews. He's speaking to the fathers through the means of the prophets. And this, was, this happened years, hundreds of years before this, this book was written. And you remember, in between the Testaments, there was probably a 400-year period of time where no prophets spoke at all. So the complete silence. And so in the Old Testament, we see God speaking speaking to the the Jewish people, speaking to the fathers and the the prophets and the ancestors. And it says he spoke through prophets and he did it in a lot of different ways. Do you know that if God didn't speak in the Old Testament, we wouldn't have a clue today about anything? Nothing. It's by God's grace that he spoke to us through the Old Testament, that he spoke to these individuals and it was recorded for us. So we can get the whole picture. You know, we, we support several families with the new tribes. And the one thing that they've learned is when they go into a, a jungle setting and they have to teach this tribe the gospel, they can't start 
in the New Testament. They can't start, well, Jesus was... They can't do that. It doesn't make any sense to them. They have to spend years laying a groundwork before they even get to the gospel. And they go through the Old Testament and they show basically the giving of the law and original sin and the giving of the law, the whole thing. And, and uh, Jerry Kennel was, was telling me that, he goes, we have some in the, the tribe on occasion, you know, they're like, well, just, you know, what is this gift that you're telling us about? We can't tell you yet because it's not going to make any sense to you. You have to be patient. You have to understand the whole thing because they tried it the other way. They went in and they just taught them about Jesus and they, and they didn't have a clue. Didn't make any sense. And see, sometimes that's the same thing when we, we share our faith. Sometimes we want to just kind of throw Jesus onto people or cram him down the throat or whatever and just kind of, you know, overload them with Jesus. And they don't have any clue that they need a Jesus. They don't need a Savior. They don't have any idea. And sometimes we have to take the time to lay the groundwork, beloved, that shows them that they're in need of a Savior. I mean, if I have $1,000 and you have no need of $1,000... What's it going to mean to you if I come to you and say, hey, I, I have something I want to give you. I want to give you $1,000. You're going to say, I don't need it. Don't need it. Go give it to somebody else. It's not going to mean anything to you. And that's what we do so many times with the gospel. We go to people who think they got everything together and we try to share, you know, well, you need to be saved. And they're going, saved from what? I'm doing pretty good. I got a good job. I, I provide for my family. I'm, I'm responsible. We have a house. We have clothes on our back. We have a car. What do you mean I need a savior? I'm doing pretty good by myself. Thank you very much. And so you have to bypass that and you have to show them, well, wait a minute. Do you believe that you're perfect? And you have to go down that road of showing them, basically, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Once they get that, then they can say, oh, okay. It's not until you're drowning that you need a life preserver. So many times... When we see here the preparation for Christ in the Old Testament, God laid down a a foundation for the Savior. He was laying down over and over and over again as he spoke through different people. But if God hadn't spoken to us, we wouldn't, in the New Testament, we wouldn't get anything. Because the Bible says the natural man understands not, what? The things of God. Because they're spiritually discerned and we're spiritually dead. And so we need to understand that. We have to understand that that God desires us to have a relationship with him. And the only way we can do that is is through Christ. Well, when did God speak? When did he speak? It says there, in times past, or a long time ago. Remember, there's, like I said, there's been 400 years of, of, since the Old Testament. And it's mostly been quiet. And so all of a sudden... You have John the Baptist, who's a prophet, and he gets out there and starts repent for the kingdom of heaven is her. And then Jesus comes and repent for the kingdom of of God is at hand. And then he starts all this miraculous and and then his birth angel starts showing up. This hadn't happened before for 400 years. In the Old Testament, you had a lot of supernatural things going on. But then there was just kind of this lull, this dead time in between the Testaments. And so that's why it says here that God spoke. He spoke to the fathers. Well, how did he do that? He did it through the prophets. What are prophets? Prophets are simply people who speak for God. That's what a prophet is. 
A prophet necessarily doesn't have to know, okay, next week at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, I know where you're going to be because I can tell the future I'm a prophet. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about basically foretelling the word of God. And in the Old Testament, because it wasn't necessarily recorded yet, God used man and he worked through man in a supernatural way and these prophets would literally speak the word of God to the people. So he spoke through the prophets. And how did he do this? It says there, at various times and in various ways. Kind of a hodgepodge. Just a a whole myriad of different ways God spoke. You can go through all the Old Testament books, all 39 of them, and see how Jesus speaks in each book. We could do that if we had time. But it says there that he's spoken different times, various times, and in various ways. God spoke in Genesis. He spoke in 2 Kings. He spoke in Ezra. He spoke in Nehemiah. He spoke in Job, Malachi, Haggai, Zechariah, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Solomon. And he spoke in many methods. He spoke, sometimes he'd use a vision. Sometimes he might use a dream. Sometimes it was a direct voice from heaven that could be heard with the human ear. Sometimes it was indirect through the Spirit of God in the mind of the the writer. Sometimes it was through a type or a parable or a symbol or a ceremony or a stone, something that was written on a stone. But God spoke and he spoke long ago. That's his point. And it's referring to the Old Testament. See, it's been a long time since God said anything. But he did speak a long time ago to the Jews. And it was through the prophets. Those were the individuals who were called to be the spokesmen of and for God. And you can look at the different books and you can see how God spoke. Sometimes it was through poetry or a narrative or the law or prophecy, revelation, whatever. I mean, there was different ways that he spoke. In the Old Testament, revelation was... You have to understand this too, was what they call progressive. It was progressive. In other words, it didn't go from error to truth because there's nothing in the Word of God that contains error. It's all inspired by God. It's all truly what God said, and that's the way He wanted it to be said. But the Old Testament moved progressively. So more and more things were unveiled to the folks. They may not have got it at first, but then the pieces of the puzzle began to fit. It was moving toward completeness. Degree after degree after degree, a progressive revelation. And that's how you have to teach people things. You know, you don't take your little baby and say, okay, here's the Encyclopedia Britannica, have fun. What are they going to do? At best, they're maybe going to chew on it and get it soggy, okay? Drool on it or whatever. They're not going to pick it up and, oh, thanks, Dad, I'm going to read this, you know. No, they're not going to do that. Why? Because they don't even know the letters yet. They don't even know how to speak. You have to take time and you have to lay down the fundamentals. You start with the ABCs and the simple things, the simple letters, and you teach them how to spell and and, and pronounce things and read. And that's what God did. God started out with the very basic essentials that he wanted us to understand. And God started out, as Paul calls the Old Testament, in the early parts of the Old Testament, the elementary principles Spelling book of types and ceremonies and prophecies. That's, that's basically what he's doing. He was leading up to something. Well, he was leading up to the Messiah. But if he just dumped the Messiah there, they, they wouldn't get it. 
And so God had to use the prophets to write down his words. And the New Testament writers recognized that. When Paul said this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. He's talking about the Old Testament. That's what he's talking about. When Peter says, no scripture comes by private interpretation, but holy men were moved by the Spirit of God, he's talking about the Old Testament. He couldn't be talking about the New Testament because it wasn't finished yet. So when Paul refers to scripture, when Jesus refers to scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament. The New Testament really affirms the divine character of the Old Testament. That's that's what it does. And so the preparation for Christ was needed because he is really the, that's why he's the theme in the Old Testament. Over and over and over again. If you search through the scriptures, you'll see that Jesus said this. He said, if you search the scriptures, you'll see that they speak of me. Some people got it and some people don't. Remember on the the road to Emmaus, after his resurrection, when he met with his disciples, and it says that he opened up the Old Testament and he started at the law and the prophets and the holy writings and he revealed himself. Through the Old Testament. See, he's the theme of all that. It all leads to Christ. Whether you start out in Genesis 3.15 with the seed of women, or whether you come to the end of, of the Old Testament in Malachi and talk about the great judge and the judgment to come. Christ is always the subject. He's the one who's pictured in all the ceremonies. He's the one who's pictured in all the sacrifices. He's the great king who's been promised It's all leading up to him. He's the great prophet to come. I mean, all these, all these things indicate that there's going to be a savior born. And all that is preparation. That's why it's it's important to understand that when Zacharias, the father of John, husband of Elizabeth, when he realized that the Messiah was going to be born, he understood that from an Old Testament perspective. So the whole Old Testament just exploded in his mind with significance to him. He thought, wow, all the pieces just came together. And so we want to take some time to kind of lay down that groundwork as we look at Christ, the sheep who would be led to slaughter for us, the Bible says. He's everywhere in the Old Testament. And that's all preparation for the new. But you know what? To be honest, it's incomplete. It leaves some things out. It's bits and pieces here and there. Nobody got all of it in one one book back then. They just got bits and pieces here and there. So this progressive revelation continued. Each writer got a little bit of it. And then another writer got a little bit of it. And then they began to put it together. And it stretched out over 1,500 years. A lot of times they didn't even know each other. And Peter says they looked at what they wrote and they wondered exactly who they were writing about and what time this was going to happen. In other words, they couldn't sort it all out. It didn't make complete sense to them. I mean, aren't you glad today that we have the completed word of God? That you have a personal copy of God's word, complete canon, you can take it with authority and believe that this is it. This is what God has been working on. All these years. And we can hold it right in our hand and we can read it in our own language. What an amazing blessing that is. A lot of the people in the Bible, old and new, didn't have that privilege. They just had bits and pieces of it. And so the preparation for Christ in verse 1 is really the Old Testament. 
God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. Well, that leads us to a second point, the presentation of Christ, and that comes in verse 2. It's just weird to me. There's no introduction to this book. He just starts right in, and he covers the presentation of Christ. He says in verse 2, "...has in these last days spoken to us by his Son." In other words, the revelation is completed. That's what that means. God said all he's going to say. When he sent his son, nothing more needed to be said. It's complete in him. And you say, well, why doesn't the New Testament end at the Gospels? Because through the Gospels, it gives us the story of Jesus Christ. It gives us the historical story. And there's, there's no wonder... There's, there's four Gospels because his life was so uh, incredibly large, the life of Christ. It needed to be looked at from four different perspectives. But the story doesn't end there. It ends with Jesus going back into heaven at the end of the Gospels and announcing that he's going to come back and he's going to set up a kingdom in the future that he'll be returning. And that's really the end of God's revelation of himself. It's complete in Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's, that's important for us to understand today because we shouldn't be looking for new revelation. Sometimes you talk to certain individuals and, yeah, you know, I was shaving in the mirror this morning and, and, and Jesus gave me a, a word from the Lord, you know. It's like, well, I don't know who that was, but I can guarantee it wasn't Jesus and it wasn't a word from the Lord because God's word is complete. It's not being written today. There's not, there's not bits and pieces of God's word out there floating uh, around. That's not how it works. But it's, it's important to understand that along with the preparation, he presents Christ as the speaker for God. He says, as in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. In these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. In, in other words, in Christ, God did not display some of the truth. See, Christ isn't some of God's truth. He is all of God's truth. He is complete. He revealed God fully by being fully God. That's what Scripture says. That's why in Colossians chapter 2, it says, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus Christ, in that little baby, was, was complete God. Amazing. And so today, no longer is God speaking in diverse manners. No longer is God speaking in little fragments here and there. He has spoken to us through his son. And that's the last word. It's his full and his final revelation. Because when Jesus came, there's nothing more that God needed to say. That little phrase there, in these last days, or these, these last days, it depends what translation you have. It's a familiar phrase to the Jewish mindset. They would identify it as a messianic age, like the latter days. Always refers to a messianic age. So in the time of Messiah, God spoke. He spoke in his son, who was God incarnate. Look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it says there, Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. 
Well, who is this word? It goes on, it tells us. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him, so we know we're talking about an individual, was life. And life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and yet the world did not know him. Isn't that a mind-boggling statement? The, 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 the world doesn't know its creator. The person who made this world, the world does not know. Matter of fact, it says in verse 11, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of who? But of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Oh, now we know who he's talking about. And we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me. For he was before me. For And of his fullness, verse 16, we have all received... And grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but what happened? But grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. See, Jesus Christ came as a picture for us. He became man uh, that we could identify with him. In a way that we couldn't before. And he came to this earth to die on a cross to give his life a ransom for all those who would put their faith and trust in him. So many times throughout scripture we see the Messiah spoken of. But when Christ came, it completed that picture. In him the revelation of God is absolutely complete. There's no separate way. There's no, you know, it's not, it's not anything other than God in his full majesty. You can see him in everything. Everything you need can be in Christ. Christ is totally sufficient to meet all of your needs. We don't need to look anywhere else. And yet, we live in an age and a day when most in the church, that's the last place they look. I mean, a lot of people will go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a social worker or whoever before they'll come to God, before they'll come to Christ. They'll try to work it out on their own. But you know what? You can see the Creator as you look around. You can see the justice of God in the New Testament when He cleanses the temple. You can see in in Christ all there is to see of God because He is God. He is the one who came to give his life a ransom. He's presented as the Savior. And it says there that he had, has appointed heir of all things. We'll look at that next week as we get into that. But I, I want to share this morning that as we come before our 
communion time. Don't think that this is just a time where, okay, you take the piece of cracker and you drink the juice and, you know, you've done it all your life. Uh, This should mean something to you. It should have some kind of substance, some kind of uh, understanding. Your faith should understand what you're doing. When when you take that cracker and you break it off and you, you, you partake with everybody else, you're doing that because Christ told you to do that. You're doing that because you're a Christ follower. You're, you're being willing to obey what he told us to do in the New Testament. He said that we should remember his death till he comes. And that doesn't just mean once a month. I mean, we practice communion once a month on the first Sunday of the month. But we could do it every Sunday if we wanted to. But we've seen the preparation of Christ laid out in the Old Testament, and he presents himself as a Savior in the New Testament over and over, and we'll go in a little bit more to that next week. Well, it's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. And we meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at the Graceful Truth Program, we would love to hear from you. Take a moment and call or write to us, won't you? You can reach us by phone at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. Or write to us by visiting our website and dropping us an email, gracefultruth.org. Or you can write to us via snail mail, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, from all of us here at Graceful Truth and Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, may God's peace be yours this Christmas season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.